on. All right, here we go. Here we go. Good stuff. Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. And here we are in the fourth message. Lord willing, this message, and again next week, we'll finish off our series in the book of Jonah. And what a great series it has been, entitled Jonah, A Portrait of God's Grace. Now let's, let's get this fixed in our minds. We got two weeks left. If someone were to come up to you and ask, what is God's grace? This is what we tell them right from God's word. It is this, God's undeserved favor. God's undeserved favor displayed towards me and motivated by his love for me. And so over the course of this series, we have seen this portrait unfolding of what God is revealing of himself to us. We saw in chapter 1, verses 1 to 6, the pursuit of grace, where God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah doesn't want to. He runs from God, and God, out of his love and favor towards Jonah, pursues him with a tempest. And then we saw in chapter 1, verses 7 to 17, the provision of God's grace as it exposed Jonah's sin, as it exposed the unbelief of the sailors through the lots and through the tempest. And even though it was confusing, we saw the provision of God's grace as the sailors listened to God, they threw Jonah over and they were saved. And we saw the provision of God's grace through a fish that comes and rescues Jonah as he is sinking. And then last week we saw the purpose of God's grace. What is the purpose as to why God gives us his grace and pursues us? We saw that leading us to cry out to him, leading to a restored perspective on him and a resulting confession that we would follow him. And that leads us to today. Buckle in Hope Bible Church, Ottawa. Hey, kids, are you ready to go? Okay, we can do better. Let's go, kids. You ready to go? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Here we go. Jonah chapter 3, and the title of this message is The Power of God's Grace. You ready to see God? the power of God's grace on display? See, and this is absolutely crucial. You just see the sovereign hand of God when this sermon calendar was made out a year ago that we would be at this message at this moment in history. No idea what was coming. And God, in his sovereignty, because he's ruling and reigning, brings us right here. And this truth of the power of God's grace is absolutely crucial for us to look at today. Why? Just look at the past two years. Hey, can we agree the past two years have been pretty hard? Can we agree? We have witnessed the devastating impact of a pandemic where each time you turn on the news, you are bombarded with sickness and death. We have witnessed the devastating impact of increasing division in society and sadly as well within the church. The devastating impact of division. Pick a side. What camp are you in? Whose side are you on? Are you for masks or not? Are you for vaccines or not? Are you for freedom or not? 
Whose side are you on? You for us or them? We have witnessed the devastating impact of racism and discrimination and segregation, partiality. We have witnessed the impact of increasing lawlessness in society and moral depravity, seemingly going unchecked. We have witnessed the devastating impact of wars and conflict and rumors of wars, even today. We have witnessed the devastating impact of natural disasters, of increasing opposition to the church, and to an increasing number of people, both in and outside of the church, living in condemnation, living in shame, and living in guilt, and it going unchecked in isolation. We have witnessed a society increasingly gripped by fear. You notice that? Increasingly gripped by anxiety, and hopelessness, and godlessness. doesn't take long if you take an honest assessment to see all of that. And this is the question of our day. For the church, for our society, it's the question that God is presenting to the Ninevites right here. And it is this, let's tune in. Will you solely, solely, only trust in the saving Strengthening, redeeming, reviving power of God's grace today. There's the question of our day. Will you and I solely trust in the saving, strengthening, redeeming, reviving power of God's grace? Because the daily battle that you and I face, you faced it today when you woke up, you'll face it tomorrow, you'll face it next month. It is this, whose power are you putting your trust in? There it is. Whose power will you put your trust in? The power of man, the power of God. The power of self or the power of God. The power of strategies or the power of God's grace. Whose power will you put your trust in? Whose did you put it in today? Go Lord, yes. That's what I'm talking about. Come on, young one. I'm with you. I'm with you. Watch this. Here's the problem, though, we see very quickly. You saw from this example. Here it is, ready? We often don't put your trust. I often don't put my trust in God and the power of his grace. Ready? To change a heart. I think I need to get mad enough to do that. I think I need to have my arguments in a row to convince and change the heart. You don't often put your trust in God and the power of his grace to restore brokenness. I gotta use man-centric strategies or to redeem the lost. I have to be the one to save people. I have to be the one to convince them of what's true. We often don't put the trust in the power of God and his grace to unify his people and to revive his church and to spiritually awake the lost. Do we? Let's just be honest before the Lord right now. 
And what's the result? Instead of repenting of sin, instead of seeking his face, instead of calling out to him, you call out to self. You call out to others to change the narrative. You call out to other things to bring the change. Hear it, loved ones, that only the power of God's grace can. No matter, hey, 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 eyes up here. No matter how bad things look. Things were looking pretty bad in Nineveh. We'll see that in a minute. And I want to encourage you, Hope Bible Church Ottawa, all of you here, those watching online, I want to encourage you with this, our big idea. Write this down because everything's going to unpack from it. God will accomplish his purpose by the power of his grace. You ready? Some good news on that. God will accomplish his purpose by the power of his grace. Here's the role for you and I. When that question hits, whose power will you ultimately put your trust in? You must trust in him. You must trust in him. It looks so bad, I can't see it. You must trust in him. God will accomplish his purpose by the power of his grace. So so here's the question facing us today. If that's true, and it is, as we're about to see, will you humble yourself? Will you humble yourself, turn to him, seek his face, and call desperately on his name? Will you? Will I? Don't believe me that he can do that? Well, watch this. Here in our text today, we're going to see three truths. Three truths of the power of God's grace we must believe if we are to put our trust in the power of his grace and minister boldly, boldly in these days, in his power and see lives changed and his kingdom advanced by his grace for his glory. Loved ones, you ready to go? You ready for some revival? Let's get after this. Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word. Everyone in this place reading God's word together, fixing our eyes on him. Kids, let's get after it together. Jonah chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Let's read. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. But let man and beast 
Oh, sorry. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord, all God's people said. Amen. Let's go have a seat. Here we go. The power of God's grace. The first thing we see right from these first two and a half verses is this. The power of God's grace is for restoration. The power of God's grace for restoration. No place is too far. No place is too far. Hey, can I encourage you? I love the fact that you're all taking notes. Love it. Can I see your eyes for a sec? Ready? Ready? Kids, eyes up here. Eyes up here. Love it. God's not done with you. I'm going to say it again. God's not done with you. If you're not dead, God's not done. God's not done with you. Will you trust his restoring grace? Let's get our context. Here we go. Jonah has repented. Praise the Lord. Jonah has repented of rebelling against the Lord, and he's committed. Remember, verses 8 to 10 of chapter 2, he's committed to serving God and fulfilling the mission that God had given him to go to Nineveh. And as a result, you see there in verse 10 of chapter 2, the Lord commands the fish to puke him up on shore. I wonder what he smells like. Hey, hey, Wow. All right, next. Keep going. This is amazing. Would you just think of the whole picture? That's amazing. Now, where did he get spit up? Now, most li- we don't know 100%, but most likely, it's back in Joppa where he started. God brings him back to where he started before getting on the boat. And here's Jaffa right here. You'll see a picture, modern-day Jaffa. Hey, anyone want to go to Jaffa? Yes. Gorgeous. Love it. There's modern day Jaffa. And then this happens. Jonah gets spit up. He's over there with Jaffa. And then look at verses 1 to the first part of 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Such a different response, huh? See, after having Jonah spit up, the Lord, by his grace, what does he do right there? Don't miss it. He restores Jonah. He restored him to his service by giving him a second chance. Hey, loved ones, our God is a God of second chances, isn't he? Hey, remember this. Your sin does not have the final say. The Lord does. Our God is a God of second chances. 
and he gives him a second call, another commission. What was it? Exactly the same, but he tells him it again, to go to, from Joppa to Nineveh. Now let's get Joppa to Nineveh again, refresh our memories on that. You'll see the map there. This is about five, approximately 500 miles from Joppa. He's going to Assyria. Now, he couldn't call an Uber. He had to either walk or take a donkey. So if he's going to walk, did some research on this, if he's going to walk, it's going to take Jonah at least five weeks to get to Nineveh. If he's going to take a donkey, it's going to take just under four weeks. All right? So it's not like a little hop across the desert here. It takes him about a month to get there. And what's he, what does the Lord call him to do? He calls him to call out. That means to preach, to proclaim God's word and the message that God had given him of what? If you remember from chapter one, their coming destruction and their needed repentance. But this time, notice the text, instead of running, Jonah responds in obedience according to God's word. Now here's the key we got to understand because it's so easy to miss it. We just skim on to the next stuff. Look what happened. God was determined, be encouraged. God was determined to accomplish his purpose in and through Jonah. Is that encouraging to anyone else here? God was determined to accomplish his purpose in and through Jonah. No matter how far Jonah tried to run from God, remember he tried to run 3,000 miles? No matter how much Jonah had sinned and rebelled against God, hey, 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 God's grace, his love, his forgiveness towards Jonah was greater than any condemnation Jonah had or any sinful practice that Jonah had done, God wasn't done and was going to use him. Here's the truth we need to understand. You'll see it on the screen. God loves to restore the rebel. God loves to restore the rebel. And you say, well, I'm not really a rebel. Listen, every time you and I sin, we rebel against the Lord. We're rebels. And God loves to restore the rebel. He never, hey, notice, notice right there from verses one to three, God never cancels out people based on what they've done or how far they've run. How radical is that from our culture today? God's like, he's not saying, well, you just totally, you know, you, I, I know what you've done. I know how you've been running. But he says, but you will never get too far away where my love, my mercy, and my forgiveness and restoring grace over your life cannot bring you back. Will you return to me? There's no place too far. It's not like, well, you blew it, and then you sit and come. And I just wonder how many of us, even in this room, right now, watching online, are sitting in shame and condemnation, under guilt. I blew it. I said that. I did that. And you need to understand, God loves to restore the rebel. You have not gone beyond his relentless grace and love towards you.
And God's word for you today, right from his word, is this. I love you. I see what happened there. I know what's been going on. I know how far you've run. I love you. And I will not forsake you. And you're not dead because I'm not done with you. I will use you. Arise. Turn to me. Repent and follow me. Want to hear God's plan for his people? Watch this. Right here, see it on the screen. God's plan for his children is always restoration, not condemnation. There is never condemnation on the other side of repentance. There's only comfort. There's only the restoration of God. You know what that is? That's the power of grace. God's not done with you. Will you trust in his restoring grace? And loved one, I want to say this. If you are here and you are saved in Jesus Christ, you know what that means? You've repented of your sin and and surrendered to him as your Lord. It means you are a child of God. And the truth of that is there is no condemnation for you. That's not an excuse for us to go on sinning without repentance and live how you want. But there is no condemnation. Jesus paid the price for that sin and has given you forgiveness. And if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is his offer of salvation to you today through Jesus Christ. God has not and will not cancel you out. And you may say this to me, easy for you to say, Pastor Ray, easy for you to say, uh, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the pornography that I've been looking at. That if I tell it to my wife, if I tell it to my kids, if I tell it to my accountability, it's just shame. I need to hide that. You don't know the judgmental thoughts I've had about people in our society. You don't know the stealing that I've been doing from the workplace. You don't know about the lack of integrity I have at work or in my personal life when no one's watching. You don't know about my lying, my gossip, my slander, my canceling out of people when they don't agree with me. You don't know how I blew it with my kids for the third time today. You don't know how my spouse and I, I just keep yelling at her or him. And the arguments, you don't know the pain I've caused. A loved one, true. I don't. But it isn't about me. He knows. He's seen it all. Every bit. And he says right there to you, whatever that is for you right now, from the youngest child in this room to the oldest adult, he says right here, That place is not too far. That place is not too far from my relentless pursuing grace and love to restore you to life and godliness and to fulfill my purpose for you. Hey, I'm not done with you.
Can I just encourage you with this as I've been so encouraged? Uh, you have no idea how much your life matters to God. You have no idea how much your life matters to God, how he has fearfully and wonderfully created you for his glory. And you have no idea how much your life matters to him or to the kingdom of heaven. Enough with the shame. Enough with sitting in condemnation and guilt. Jesus has paid it all. Return to him. Return to him and know he is restoring grace. Your sin doesn't have the final say. The Lord does. Amen? Loved one, arise. Arise. The power of God's grace is for restoration. No place is too far. And with this, we see the power of God's grace. Ready? Through repentance. Through repentance. No place is too far and no heart is too hard. Can you just say that? Isn't that amazing? That's so encouraging. No place is too far. Go. And no heart is too hard. Boom. Only God's grace can change the heart. Here's the call for you and I. Will you proclaim his word? Will you proclaim his word? Look at, keep going in verse three. It's so good. Okay, kids, back into your Bibles. Let's go. Verse three. Okay, all right. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breadth. So see what happens there? Jonah arrives. He makes the 500-mile trek. He arrives in Nineveh. Notice what it says. It's an exceedingly great city. Now this is referring to both size, because it was a massive city, as we'll get into in a minute. It's called a royal city in Assyria, but also in its importance to God. The Hebrew there means, if you look at the superscript at the bottom of your Bible, it means it was a great city to God. It was an important city. Now, remember, let's do a little recap on Nineveh, all right? It was 500 miles northeast of Israel on the Tigris River. Our archaeologists believe it looks something like this. You'll see it on the screen. 500 miles. It's a massive city, okay? 600,000 people is the estimate at this time. 600,000 people... And it's called a royal city, one of the largest in the world. It was the capital of city of Assyria for many, many decades. And its walls, you see a picture of it there, its walls were eight miles long surrounding the inner city and the rest of the city approximately 60 miles in circumference. So there, these are the pictures today of what Nineveh looked like recently. And you get a picture of the size and scope that this city was. And notice verse 3. Go to the text. It said, how many days did it take Jonah to get across it? It was so big. Three days. It was going to take him three days of preaching. Now, here's the thing about Nineveh. It wasn't like, oh, happy-go-lucky. We're going to welcome Jonah in. This is really good. We want to hear God's word. No. Nineveh, the exact opposite, had the reputation for cruelty and violence and sexual immorality. It was one of the worst cities in the world for it. In fact, it was the center of pagan worship of the gods of war and sex, Nanshi, the fish goddess, and Dagon, who was half man, half fish. Can you already see? Can you already see, loved ones, how God's already prepared in his sovereignty Jonah to minister? 
Watch this. Watch this. He's going to use Jonah's experience to validate his message in the eyes of the Ninevites. And here's the thing we have to understand from this. You'll see it on the screen. God will even use your rebellion to draw others to himself. That's how awesome our God is. God will even use your rebellion to draw others to himself. What the enemy desires for destruction, to beat you down with it, God will redeem for good and his glory. If you return, he will even use your rebellion. That's how awesome our God is. Now here's the key. If there were any people that were the least likely in the world to receive God's word, who would have been perceived to have the hardest hearts against the Lord, it was the Ninevites. When people mention the name Nineveh, they're like, please don't go there. Don't go there. That's a death wish. You don't want to go. They were the least likely. Hey, question, who's that for you today? Who's that person who, when you think of them, you're like, oh, they won't be open to God's word. No way. The power of God's word can't change that heart. They're just too far gone. They're too angry. They, they, you know, no, they're too, who's that for you? Just write their name down. Write their name down. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone, a friend. Maybe it's someone you've been trying to proclaim the gospel to, and you just don't see any image. Who is that for you? You think their heart is too hard, that God's grace through his word can't soften it and break it and draw it and fulfill the longing of it and can't overcome it. Who is that for you today? Maybe our leaders. How about them? How much time are we spending in prayer and faith for our leaders these days instead of complaining? That'll give you a good indication whether you believe God's grace is enough to change the heart. Think again. Look what happens in verses four to nine. You want to see what a revival looks like? Look at these five verses. Let's go. Kids, back into the text. Here we go. Verse four. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. <clears throat> and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Can't you just see him doing that? Here he goes. Nineveh is going to be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. What? They believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Keep going. The word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, sat in ashes, and he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the look at this, look at the power of God's grace through his word. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither men nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. No eating, everyone. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Not half-heartedly, mightily to God. Let everyone turn away from his evil way and from the violence that's in his hands. And who knows, may God turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Welcome to Revival. Welcome to a spiritual awakening. This is awesome. God 
Everyone say that with me. Our God is awesome. Think about what just happened. Jonah walks into Nineveh on day one. He goes a day's journey. Day one, he walks in and he starts preaching. What's his message? Did you get it from the text, verse four? Go back to the text. Look at Jonah's whole sermon that God gave him. Eight words in the English, ready? Five words in the Hebrew. <laughs> Gotta tell you, as I was preparing that, <laughs> preparing this message, I, I, was, I was a little envious. Five words. And here it is. It's not like this message of let's make it really attractional so that people will somehow come to Jesus that way. It's yet in 40 days, Nineveh is going to be overthrown. What does that mean? Overthrown means literally flipped over is the picture. It will be destroyed. That's not an easy message to proclaim. Is it? It's a message of doom. It's a message of hope as well in repentance, but it's a message of doom. There's the sermon. And he repeated it again and again and again. That's it. Do you realize what just happened? Let this encourage your faith today. Five of God's words get preached. And 600,000 of the cruelest, hardest, meanest, sexually immoral people are saved. And are brought to repentance and on their knees. Five of God's words. Five. 600,000. Here, here, let's, let's see the magnitude of this. Jonah, um, the Lord didn't give Jonah a social media campaign. He goes, splash it all over. Didn't do it. He didn't have Jonah pick up any banners and march through the city. Didn't do it. Let's keep going. Jonah didn't uh, upload a podcast or do news interviews to get the word out. Didn't do it. Today, we have these means by the grace of God. But are you using them to faithfully proclaim the word of God? The only thing that can change a heart by the power of his grace and not twisting God's word to suit your agenda? Are you proclaiming faithfully the word? Are you using these means that God has given us for the faithful proclamation of his word or your way? Here's a challenge for us as a church. If you're on social media, Here's the challenge, right from God's word here that we see. Flood it with straight scripture from now on. That's it. Not your opinions on things. Flood it with God's word. That every time someone sees a post you make, they're getting face to face with the living and active word of God that can change their life like that. No venting. No venting. 
No complaining. God's word. There's our challenge. When someone says, oh, you're going to Hope, Ottawa. Well, I know I can't. There's the verse again. There it is. Yes. That's the rep. Point them to Jesus. Put God's living and active word in front of them. There's no, notice God's strategy for revival with Jonah. There's no, get as loud as you can and storm the palace, Jonah. It's not in his strategy for revival. To change a life. There, notice Jonah didn't go into Nineveh with his arguments stacked as to why his God was the right one and all the gods of the Ninevites were the wrong ones. Didn't do it. It's not God's strategy. And here's the other thing. Notice God's strategy. He doesn't have Jonah all attractional like the latest kicks, the outfits, the gotta look cool, blend in. Jonah just got puked up by a fish. How do you think he smelled? Not to mention walking 500 miles across the desert without a shower? How's his attractionality going? He stinks. What? What is God thinking? Here's what it was. Here's God's strategy to change a nation, to change a city. Trust in the power of God's grace and proclaim his word. There it is. There it is, loved ones. Trust in the power of God's grace and proclaim his word. Loved ones, is that enough for you today? Is it? Is it? See, notice something here about the message. God gave him a specific message, and Jonah didn't spend time embellishing it. Well, if I just add this convincing sentence, then people will be more likely to change. He just spoke what God gave. This is the message. He didn't try to make it attractive and convincing and have all the right words and tickle the ears to kind of soften the blow. Loved ones, he trusted the message God gave him in his word and proclaimed it. He simply preached what God said. Is that enough for you today? With your neighbors? With your coworkers? With your friends? With your families? Is that enough to just proclaim what God said? See, God knew the only thing that could change a heart, the only thing that could humble a kingdom, one of the most ruthless ones in history to its knees in repentance and faith, and see his glory established in it was the proclamation of his word by his power. God's strategy, let's sum it all up because this is magnificent. God's strategy for revival, a five-word sermon and a prophet that smells bad with a really shady track record. There's God's plan for revival. Think he can use you? Think he can use me? Oh, yeah. Why? Why does God do this? 
to demonstrate that it is the Lord who is the power behind the message. He doesn't give Jonah any credit. It's the Lord who is the power behind the message. It's not man. The power is in the message and the Lord behind it, not the messenger. So don't worry about you trying to think, well, I have to convince and I've got to be. That's not your job. The power is in the one behind the message. And that human effort is not what changes the hearts of the Ninevites or anyone else. Instead, notice, I love how one commentator put this. He said, instead, it demonstrates that believers, Christians, as stewards of the gospel, should be faithful in saying what God says and leave the results to him. Be faithful in proclaiming what God says. Loved ones, our mission is to sow, not to save He's given us the words to proclaim. We don't need to make it up. You say, well, did he really know about all that's going to go on in the pandemic? Yes, he knew. And he gave us the message. It does. Our God hasn't changed. His word hasn't changed. Our job is to sow, not to save. Proclaiming his words. We don't need to make them up. We don't need to rely on our own ability to convince people. And notice right from God's word, God can do more in five words than you and I can in 50 years of our own efforts. Just look at the text. God can do more in five of his words being proclaimed than you and I can in 50 years of our own effort. That's magnificent. That is magnificent. And look at the result. Did you catch the result in the text? A miracle happens. Completely unexpected. Verse 5, all the people of Nineveh, from the greatest to the least, that's from the kings, the rulers, the leaders, all the way down the youngest child, all across ages, all across socioeconomic status, all across backgrounds, what do they do? Received God's word and believed in him. Now, verse four there, it says they believe God. The Hebrew phrase is actually believed in God. It is genuine faith. They put their faith and trust in him. Five words. And what's the evidence of this? Look at nationwide repentance and revival. As people started believing and fasting, notice this, the king issues a proclamation. Just keep going. That's a law. Now he's rewriting the laws of the of this city. That all people, verses 5 and 8, and beasts, they fast. The word fast there means to voluntarily abstain from food and to cover themselves with sackcloth. What's sackcloth? It's a goat's hair garment. Kind of looks like a burlap sack. It's a goat's hair garment. Now, I wouldn't recommend using goat's hair for your uh, uh, blankets on your bed. Why? Because it's super itchy. And it's made to not be comfortable. And the uncomfortableness was to symbolize humility. We're not comfy with the way things are. Mourning and repentance. And notice what they do. They sit in ashes. And then verse 8, they don't just sit there. What do they do? They cry out mightily to God. What does that mean? They pray fervently. It wasn't like, hey, God, if you really want to do this, will you do this? 
maybe you could do what you want. Just, they cried out mightily. What's that? Desperation. Like, God, you are our only hope. We turn to you. We turn away from our evil. We turn to you. There's no flippancy there. Man, church, where's the fervency today? And how we cry out to the Lord. Where's the desperation? We got so comfortable. So comfortable right now. We got our technology. We got our stuff. And those are gifts of the Lord. Yes, use them for his glory. But don't lose the fervency. The passion to draw near to the Lord, to call on his name in desperation. He's the only one who can change anything. All of this stuff will be gone one day. Where's the fervency, loved ones? Call on him. Not mightily, like you are it, God. And they turn, that means they repent of their evil ways, as you see in verse 8, that God might have mercy on them. And notice verse 9, just like the pagan sailors in the boat, now the Ninevites recognize the sovereignty and authority of the one true God that has their lives in his hands. They said, maybe God will relent. They recognize his sovereignty. Hey, look at this. Here's the, here's the best picture I could get from this of what just happened. Go ahead, check it out, kids. I want you just to look at that for a minute. Idols being pulled down. People repenting on their knees from the king on down. Five words of God brings a nation to it. Just look, just look. This is not a joke. This is not some made up story. This is the power of grace. Look at that picture. I'm going to ask you this. What do, you look, do you believe you can do this today? Do you? Do you? His word hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. The power of God, just look at that picture. The power of God through the word of God, by the grace of God, fulfills the purposes of God. And today... We were just talking about this in pre-service prayer. How different would the church and society look if we as Christians believed this was actually true? That is through the proclamation of his word that lives are changed. And not by taking sides. See, how much would it look differently if we understood and truly believed that God knows infinitely better than us how to handle and engage what's happening? Do you believe that? God knows better than you. I know it's a hard word to hear, loved ones. It's hard for me too. But it's so right. And so let's just humble ourselves right now and say, God, you know better. Enough with this. You know better. Hey, are you tired of the anger? Are you tired of the division? Are you tired of the reports? Are you just tired of the devouring and the slant? Are you, loved ones? Hear the word of the Lord. We have God's word. We have an empty tomb. We have the Holy Spirit, and it is enough. And by faith, 
We proclaim it before a lost and broken and divided world instead of the means that we so often resort to of division and pick a side and win the argument, stack up your arguments and point the person to me and my agenda instead of the Lord and his agenda. That's what we've resorted to so much. It's time to repent, church. How do you know this? Look at the promises in Isaiah 55. Look at the screen, you'll see it right there. God says, for as the rain and the snow come down, next time you see snow coming down, hopefully not too much longer, but next time you see snow coming down from heaven and do not return there, look at this, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Look at this. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall, look at that promise. It shall not return to me Empty, not in 700 BC or in the 21st century today, no matter how bad things look. Nineveh was looking bad, but it shall not return empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed. For the thing which I sent it, it will succeed. Whether it looks like you think it should or not, it will succeed. You cannot stop the Lord. Loved one, reminder, Eyes up here, God's word. Kids, eyes up here, I want you to remember this. Eyes up, oh, I love seeing the kids' eyes. Right here, right here, hey, yeah, right here. God's word is a lion. Let it out of the cage, and it'll fend for itself. But you gotta let it out of the cage. Proclaim it, teach it, tell it to your friends to your neighbors, and let God minister to their heart. And as it living an act of word takes hold of their heart and draws them to himself. See, only God's grace can change the heart. Will you proclaim his word? Will you proclaim the gospel? Who has God put around you to do that? To declare that Jesus Christ has come. The son of God, fully God and fully man, came down to earth and lived a perfect life and paid the penalty for your sin that separates you from him. In him there is no division. There is only peace. There is eternal life. There is the forgiveness of sin. There is the steadfast love of God for you. Will you believe and repent of your sin and confess him as Lord? Here's a needed reminder for our day. Who's God put around you for that? With this message right here, only Jesus can save. Can you say that with me? Only Jesus can save. Not you, not our methods, not our mandates. Nope, only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can change a heart, revive a life, a city, and a nation. Christ alone. Hey. Does how, here's, a, here's a good litmus for us. Does how you speak, I was very convicted of this myself, does how you pray, does how you post on social media, does how you live, does how you cling to him and his word reveal that you actually believe that only Jesus can save? Just think, let's just be honest before the Lord. There's no condemnation those in Christ Jesus, but let's humble ourselves and really say, does my life show that? That I believe that? We need to repent of our unbelief. See, the power of God's grace is to restore. No place is too far. And it's to lead to repentance. No heart is too hard. And it all leads to this as we close out today. 
The power of God's grace is for redemption. No power is greater. No power is greater. Only God's grace can save. Will you trust in his saving grace? Look at verse 10. You want to see the power of grace? Right here, go to verse 10. When God saw what they did, they needed to turn to him. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, what did he do in his mercy and love and compassion for the Ninevites? He relented. He relented of the disaster he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. See, in response to the humility and repentance of the Ninevites, see it? God relents. He turns from his intention to destroy the Ninevites if they didn't repent. And out of his great love for them, he has mercy and compassion on them and redeems or saves them through the power of his grace. Now, some of you may look at that and be confused. You may say, well, wait a second. Didn't God just contradict his own word? How can I even trust it? Didn't he say he was going to destroy them regardless? I, I, he's just contradicting himself. No, hey, rest assured, deep breath. Ready? God didn't contradict his word. In verse 4, no contradiction. God's message to Nineveh in verse 4 was conditional. He says, this is, this is what will happen if things don't change. You will be overthrown, not I'm going to destroy you regardless. See, it is inherent within his message of judgment, this, but if you change your ways and repent and believe in me, you will be saved. It's, it's kind of like if I say to my, one of my sons, if you keep on doing that, this is going to happen. What's inherent in what I say? But if you don't, that won't happen. You see it? There it is right there. See, God doesn't just go around chucking out doom and judgment. He's abounding in steadfast love and desires all would reach repentance. And God knew when they heard these five words of his word, he knew how they would respond. He knew what impact his word would have and by his grace would deliver and redeem them for his glory. Hey, only God's grace can save. Will you trust his saving grace? What are you trusting in right now to save you and change hearts? That isn't him. Your agenda, your words, your ability to convince. What is it? Will you hear his word? Humble yourself before him right now and repent of these things, of your unbelief, of sin in your life. And will you call out mightily to him, mightily, fervently, in desperation to him to pour out the power of his grace in restoration over your life and the lives of others you know who are struggling in repentance and redemption in the church, in your life, in this nation, and go forth proclaiming his word in faith, courage, love, compassion, and boldness to a world that's crying out for it. Will you? And we're not gonna leave us hanging here. Worship team, you're gonna come on up here. Here's what we're gonna do. As a church, as a family of God, we are going to respond to the word of the Lord right here. And here's the, here's the thing, eyes up here, church. I know we've got a great looking worship team. Eyes up here though. Okay, okay. Here's the thing. We're gonna cry out for one another, for the church, and for this nation right now. And we are gonna use right what we see from God's word. You'll see it on here. We are gonna pray for restoration of those living in guilt and condemnation and shame. Maybe that's you. 
Maybe you need to call out for restoration. Say, God, I can't live this way anymore. I've been living under condemnation and just cast it on the Lord. Repent of your unbelief, loved one. For your coworkers who are living in shame and guilt because they don't know the Savior. And we're going to pray for repentance individually right here. Where do you need to repent? This has been a convicting word. Where do you need to repent? Don't hold off. The Ninevites responded like that. Let's get on our faces before the Lord. Pray for repentance for this nation. Pray for repentance for yourself and entire families. And pray for the church to boldly proclaim the message of the gospel. Pray for courage. And that leads to redemption. That God in his mercy would save the lost, sanctify his church in unity, holiness, and faith. We're going to cry right now. Parents, I want you to get your kids And I'm praying so much. This night right here, February 12th, would be a moment of marking. Wow. God. God met me. And he restored me. He changed me. This would be a moment that would mark this church and this city for generations to come. That we would cry out to him mightily. And believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that he will work according to his promises for his glory. But it's not for us to decide what that would look like. But we pray and we cry and we repent and humble ourselves. Would you you do that with me? Whole families right now, just fill this place. Doesn't matter. You want to get on your knees and come up here or get in the aisle and just get low before the Lord? We're going to do that right now. This is between you and the Lord and us as a church before the Lord. Don't miss this moment. Parents, grab your kids, call them to pray, call them to repent. Do not sit by. Let's go. We're going to take the next at least five minutes and go after him. Let's go, church.